0: We just did a podcast the other day called like the power of networking. Even done shows where I've had conference organizers on this show, multiple of them talking about you know what it's like running a different conference or retreat during bull markets or during bear markets and the type of people and the guests and the you know the power. And then during COVID, we talked about how everyone thought we were going to go remote, but then the power of networking and being you know when you're physically with someone, you trust your gut. There's like more emotions and feelings. You know, sometimes you can walk away from like meeting someone for the first time at a retreat or something and say, I'm going to be best friends with this person for the rest of my life. And you know nothing about them. Or you can walk away and be like, I am I could do any business deal with this person. You no know, matter what, I immensely trust them. It could be because you saw they return like the shopping cart at the grocery store. Whereas like most people wouldn't return the shopping cart because why would you? There's you know, nothing to gain.
1: Yeah, but you do. you do get a lot more understanding of people's personalities. Yeah maybe ethics, their way of behavior. I think in, uh, in many ways, these are more real, you know, exhibitions of what a real, the person really is like as compared to looking at them on paper, the CVs, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, right?
0: Yeah, you're 100% right. Yeah. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everyone. Thank you so much for joining another epic episode of The Charlie Shrem Show. We're together, you and I, for over five years through bull and bear markets. And if you've been with me for longer than this podcast, we've been doing it for over 10 years, but riding this Bitcoin and crypto journey, telling some really cool stories, meeting some of the most amazing people, some of these guests who you'll fall in love with, and you get to meet them people you know, give me so much feedback after about that, to truly understand how this movement came to be, where we are sitting right now in this moment as you're listening to this show, or if you're trying to figure out where we're going in the future. And a lot of people have been coming to me telling me, it's really cool when they want to understand what was going on in our industry during a specific time in like 2019 or 2020. The show is kind of like a little bit telling in that. Here, it's really cool that we've been focusing on what's going to be going on in 2024, what you can look out for, where people are investing, where things are are growing, what's being built, what's exciting to people right now. You know, is it the old stuff? Is it new stuff? We've been having a lot of special episodes. So I appreciate our guest coming on today. He's at a retreat. Danny Chong, what we're going to talk about, I'm excited to teach my listeners.
1: Yeah. So like, uh, thanks for having me on the show. Like I wanted to say that, you know, it's a pleasure to be on the show, especially uh, since I've also caught on a few episodes uh, from before. I like the way you deliver messages and also like even sharing openly what you think is actually best for everyone out there, or even just to learn from a kind of outsider perspective. I think that's awesome. So here I am uh, joining Charlie Shrim on the show. This is Danny Chong, co-founder of uh, Tranches, and we are a um, structured liquid staking protocol. You can find us on Ethereum and on BNB chain.
0: Thank you for yeah. saying liquid staking because liquid staking is one of the uh, concepts that people have been hearing a lot about lately. Uh, I think it's like reshaping yeah. how we think about crypto investing. So you're the co-founder of a company called Tranchess. Is it Tranches or yeah. Trenches?
1: Yeah, sorry to, to maybe uh, like it, it comes from two separate words, tranche, as in like uh, the, the French word for layers, as if you are known in terms of like a financial credit product, the different tranching, different uh, layered risks, there'll be tranche and chess will be coming from, as you know, international chess and moving this two together, you have tranches.
0: It's really interesting. You you have, and I'm, we're going to get deep into it in a second, but you have like, you've definitely taken that chess mantra with the rook and the king and everything. I just want to give yeah. a, little, a little bit of background about you. You have, you're not, it's not like you just kind of came up with these ideas. You have 17 years in the financial sector. You've worked at, at Societe Generale and BNP of Heribus. And so you've worked through all sorts of like FX trading. You've managed teams. Ah, uh, different types of of swaps and 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 financial products. Understand bond trading, you know, lending, and so you understand the broader tradfi, if you will, traditional finance. So you understand like what needs to be fixed in DeFi. So what exactly are you solving here?
1: I wouldn't use the thing to be fixing in DeFi. In fact, a lot of people will be saying that, you know, like, uh, you're actually using DeFi to fix. That's fine. So I'll, I I think uh, either ways, if you look at it, uh, we are working towards a conversion, convergence, right? DeFi versus TrapFi. We are all trying to find a best way uh, moving forward to be efficient uh, and to be, you know, like, uh, obviously allowing sort of a financial inclusion for both the well bank and the unbank. I think that's what we're trying to do. Well, I think DeFi in, in nature obviously has a greater potential in achieving that. Now, what we are actually trying to solve in TronChest is that we have delivered kind of like the structural products that were previously not available on DeFi. Sometimes people who are new to DeFi, blockchain, they come into DeFi, they get a bit lost. They say, oh, you know, like there's limited materials to read. I don't understand this and that. So first of all, uh, even though we are in DeFi, we make sure that everything is uh, in our docs, uh, almost like a prospectus, as you will, like everything in details, including the formulas, how we get there, derive this and that. It's all inside. So, if you are uh, very into nitty gritty details, you can find out everything from there. But if you are, you know, like a newcomer, you are probably belonging to any of these three types, uh, which is a long term holder of uh, assets, critical assets. You you have a bit of uh, knowledge in trading, crypto. You will be more like a sophisticated uh, user than there's another product. And if you just want to hold on long term to your assets. Oh, if you hold on to your assets, it will be actually our queen product. If you want to hold on to stable coin, stable fund equivalent, it will be our version. And obviously, if you are a bit more sophisticated, you know how to trade, you want to have a bit of leverage, uh, that will be our root product. Maybe I express this in a, a, what I used to describe to other uh, people, including my friends, is that we're offering you an express lunch option. You don't have to go through the whole a la carte menu to like, oh, you know, like, what's this? What's that? We offer you three um, elegantly designed uh, options uh, based on your own user profile in terms of like the risk-taking appetite. You know, like you choose which one uh, you want to go for. You
0: have two right now. So, so Trenches is like more of a platform, and you launch two products, if you will, that kind of like take all the different aspects of DeFi. Like it, it allows you to hold an asset, stake it. But then not have to do all the work of like custody and, and maintaining and doing all the things. And you can just hold one kind of like token that inside of it represents everything that you're claiming that it represents, essentially. Yeah, I think you got the gist
1: of it. That's what we're trying to do. So if you're holding on to uh, the queen token, basically, it, maybe the underlying could be a queen BNB or queen Ethereum. Then what happens is that asset will be put into validator staking and they obviously after that you have liquid staking but if you so decide that okay you want to take profit let's say because now ethereum is three thousand you say that okay i'm going to take a break uh i decide to change it to no market risk component or just like a stable coin equivalent you will change it to bishop and thereafter if you feel that oh you know like market has gone back to two thousand it's going to go on to five thousand you may want to go on to rook which gives you a two times leverage and and what's mm. so special about the token is that the Rook token has no forced liquidation, unlike when you go to other platforms or even sex to do uh, leverage trading, you will actually have forced liquidation if it goes down a lot. Uh, there's no such thing for um, Rook.
0: I'm here now. I'm looking at, at Rook and Rook yes. is cool because it's it you is have so cool. BTC. <laughs> at, you have BTC at leverage to basically 2.1. And yes. so if I buy Bitcoin. Then I'm just basically spot Bitcoin. But if I buy one rook or the same equivalent in rook, it essentially allows me to be like, like double my bet in, you know, in, in a situation, like have like almost double. Exactly.
1: So minus um, the borrowing cost, right? So there yeah. will always be some borrowing cost. And uh, in, in our ecosystem, uh, rook actually That's borrows cool. the risk from bishop. Yeah. So it's actually an ecosystem that supports itself. We have a rebalancing model that will take the risk out of the ecosystem where market moves in extreme conditions. But that's going in details. Uh, if you're interested, you can go into the
0: sure. document
1: section and, and, and read about it more.
0: Yeah. Products like this is kind of what makes, you know, for me, it makes DeFi cool because I like playing around with this. But what's your vision in the future? Like, do you ever see yourself, you know, having stable assets back to like real estate or different type of like corporate bonds, maybe of, of businesses and things like that? I think
1: world is coming, first of all, to asset crypto so, okay. and digital assets. I think what we have seen in the recent approval of uh, BTC ETF is, is point blank, you know, like uh, in that direction. Even now, over in Singapore and other parts of the world, you can see uh, tokenization of uh, RWA, real world assets, coming into play.
0: I think Like that- what? What are they, what are they tokenizing at, outside of the U.S.? Tell me. So,
1: like uh, in Singapore, there, really, there actually is an organization that's approved by the regulators to do tokenization of um, real world assets, and this uh, some of the stuff that they do include U.S. treasuries as well. So they will be wow. able to take U.S. treasuries, yeah. So they pack it and distribute over um, tokenized form. Even in Singapore, if you if you follow, for example, what Standard Chartered Bank is doing, they or uh, they tokenize trade finances. Financing, yeah. so uh, and they distribute it to kind of like um, customers in the most efficient format. Everything is embedded in Terra, right? and this currently, I guess, what they're trying to do is that uh, they make the process efficient. They do it with customers that uh, they're currently um, doing business with, but in the future, you know, like because it's tokenized, what's there to say that you can't distribute it outside of yeah. this customer pool? So, so actually, a lot of all these things are happening. You, you, you talk about also properties and all this, right? I, I think properties is doable, but main consideration is every country has a bit of a different treatment of like how uh, properties are managed. There they are distinct yes, rules. Yes, yes. So, so I, think, I think if we have to be practical and then uh, look at what's to come first, I would say financial products... Especially the vanilla financial products, such as the U.S. Treasury, such as high-grade uh, bonds, or actually, or the the better rating bonds, will will actually have a better future or, or quick quick kind of like the introduction into a tokenized form. Um, I, I think Interesting we also point. Yeah. A lot of, yeah,
0: I see why. Go I ahead. understand why. What you're saying is like because someone else has to do the due diligence to put all of the those bonds together into like a regulated already like product. So taking an already regulated product and putting it onto the blockchain is a lot easier than taking like 50 of our friends houses and trying to like put them into LLCs and tying them up on like on. I see the difference there because like people don't realize, for example, in like New York state, if you, if you own a house, but like, if you uh, lend someone money against your house in New York State, you know, for that's how the model would be structured. It can take more than six years to foreclose on that house. So what are you going to tell your token holders? <laughs> like we have to wait six years, and then there's legal fees and stuff like that. So it's not like it's not like it's just like liquid constantly. Where the regulated products, they they are liquid, and there's like insurance, and then there's like people that will buy them. So there's already like I see what your point. So it's cool because I want easy access to products from all over the world. And then people all over the world want really easy access to U.S. products. My friend, sorry for rambling a little bit, my friend works for KeyBank, uh, not a big bank here in the U.S. And he, what he does is he underwrites corporate bonds. So when a big company, like a big clothing company goes to the bank and says, hey, we want to issue a corporate bond at a really good interest yeah. rate, he does all the due diligence packages it all up and the issues it to, and who gets issued these bonds all the wealthy clients of the bank are the ones that are getting issued not me not you they're getting 15 percent apy high grade debt from a major clothing brand you know what i mean or for example i'm just using that as an example so imagine if those type of products can be brought to the regular person that is that kind of what your your mission is
1: well, definitely from the banking perspective, right, I've always seen that there are certain people who can't have access to certain yes. products. Not so much sometimes because of financial literacy or you know, like, uh, whether there's a, you have that knowledge of the product. It, it's more of like to get to a certain level within sort of the banking status, you need to have a certain level of wealth. But again, if you are not given a chance early to double into these products or the or you know like a more sophisticated product suite how will you be able to go faster into that level of wealth which will allow you to be having access to these products i, I think first of all i have to address the fact that some products you really need to understand the products better before you yeah. can go into doing it. i i think we we all agree on that but some products are very simple and it's just because you had to do it in bigger sizes, then they will allow you to go into uh, investing in it. So I feel that's the kind of uh, problem and issue we are trying to solve. Not just on a basis, but on a DeFi basis. Because with DeFi, you can actually break things down into smaller notions Things can be more efficient and you skip the intermediaries. And that brings a lot of value to the end users. It brings value to the person who's trying to distribute it because you distribute it fast enough over a bigger breadth of uh, people and community. Uh, yeah. But also on the user side, you definitely will be able to get a higher returns and get access to a broader range of products.
0: One of my partners at my VC fund, it's good to have you know, people that, are, that will always kind of like say no to everything, but he doesn't believe in, in DeFi at all. It's funny. And so now you've given me more kind of conversation that I can talk to him about because I was always going at that angle of like, we're going to rebuild the plumbing of TradFi and DeFi, but I like more your angle. It's like, no, we're actually making it better Are optimizing, making it more efficient. We're building better things. It's a much better conversation to have. But I want to ask you, because liquidity came back, liquidity went down, volumes went down for, for like that half a year. Where is the liquidity nowadays? Are you seeing BNB chain is still pretty big? Are you seeing Solana or any other, other blockchains like really growing lately? Where are you focusing your, your work? Polygon as most this
1: interesting kind of a discussion. I was also uh, discussing. Because you're this on the, your the boots of- on
0: the ground, you're there. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so friends were telling us that, oh, you know, like uh, we should be going to L2, we should going be to this option, uh, this and that. We should like Solana and others. But for us, we come from a more pragmatic mindset, which is we want to do things on a solid footing one at a time. A lot of people ask, like, oh, why aren't you doing a multi chain plus expansion into the rest of L1s or L2s? I I guess to make it simple, uh, security is still one of our main concerns. Not that the blockchain itself has issues with security, but a lot of times when we try to talk about uh, going across blockchains, we need bridges, we yeah. need to have that to transfer tokens and so on and so forth. I think that still packs a certain layer of risk that at this point, I don't feel that it's, uh, it can be mitigated. Second mm. of all, uh, if we have to look at the narrative in which we are focusing on, which is LSD5, uh, which is uh, liquid-staking definitely Ethereum is still the one that is uh, focusing a lot on this part of the development.
0: Really?
1: I, I, I wouldn't say that the rest of the edm compatible chain, they are, they are not doing much. There is, uh, definitely, I can see Solana up and coming. There, there's, uh, they are packing a lot of uh, uh, energy incentives in trying to grow the community to grow more dApps also on their side. So definitely, I can see that. But as in uh, Trunchest, we, we merely got onto Ethereum chain like uh, less than half a year ago plus. So there's a lot of work for us to be done on Ethereum. Maybe once we get yeah. that solidly uh, done and we get to a certain level of TPR, we manage to reach more collaboration with um, the, the bigger ecosystem of uh, Ethereum, then we will move on to other chain. I, I just feel that, uh, I mean, we are being pragmatic. I, I just feel that we, we do not have enough bandwidth to be, to be going Across, yes. uh across just different chains, yeah
0: it's interesting that Ethereum has kind of become this like settlement layer almost too, which for for other chains, which is interesting enough, which is not a bad thing. So like the idea is that liquidity can kind of like be be everywhere all the time. I want to ask you if I may add a, a bit more right to to just know your question. I guess uh,
1: where where uh, where you're expanding to and which chain? Uh, that you want to expand to could be also due to the nature of the protocol itself so for us right we are more like asset tracking and a bit of like the management of the underlying assets so our users will not be trading in and out so i guess guest fees uh would be less of a concern but if you are someone uh, or your protocol that is maybe of a dex nature or maybe there's high frequency uh trading you know, happening, then your layer twos will probably be, you know, the better solution because yeah. fees are cheaper, TPS higher. Uh, and you know, like, uh, it, it's just easier to, to, for you to do the, that's kind yeah. of a uh, setup. So it, re- it really depends. Uh, I, I do see that uh, L2s have a narrative and, a, a kind of like a lot of the DEXs are actually moving towards the L2. And I can see the development is going quite fast.
0: Do you think we've gotten better in terms of security on blockchains and how we're, we're making sure that we're protected against scams and hacking and hackers? And, you know, we used to have a lot more hacks during, during the 21 bull market. Have we gotten better as an industry? Are you still nervous when, when deploying contracts that are going to involve real money?
1: I I would say that things definitely got better. It's no longer as wild, wow west. I guess uh, earlier days, you know, like uh, where scams can happen almost on a daily basis. People were new; They didn't know what they were up against. Protocols can easily come up and disappear the next day with everybody's deposits, right? But now moving on to where we are now, everyone knows that, hey, if some random guy come and talk to you on Telegram, it's best you ignore them or you 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 be a bit more cautious when when trying to you know like uh, talk to them or basically clicking on a link. So I, I think first first and foremost that has improved a lot. Second people have become a bit more sensible. I I think it's across the industry. Like VCs, when they put in investment, it's no longer like, okay, you know, guys, uh, there's a 10-pager PowerPoint presentation, well done, you know, like uh, I'm going to invest. It's like now, I think the VCs will look at a lot more into who, who are the, who who's the team that's running it? Who are the yeah, other investors? Uh, what's the be- background of the guys? And and uh, some some are actually looking at a uh, MVP before they actually in- invest, right? A minimum viable product, minimum bar product. So so it has true. come to that 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 kind of investment has evolved. And if you have to look at it also, securely on the hacks, you know, like our bridges being being uh, attacked, uh, chains being manipulated. And so I I think those with every attacks uh, everyone has gotten better everyone has uh, started to improve a lot more so called um, yeah there's protocols. also
0: you guys also like work with immunify which is like a de- like a decentralized bug bounty program i'm an investor in another one called yokai my friend runs like zokio there's like so many now like like methods to to harden your your contracts and your protocols now
1: Yes, and, and definitely the, the audits that run before that, right? So you have yeah. to oh, the any too. protocol that, that, that don't do audits, you you probably want to ask why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you probably want to ask why. Something that um, I was also discussing with friends the other day right, was that how can we actually improve the insurance coverage on chain? I think everything in the real world right, has insurance coverage. You drive a car. Your house, right? But why is it that at this point we still have not gotten on insurance for crypto? Or, or there are some percentage. companies.
0: There are like some, there, is, a few. there is
1: like a Nexus
0: Mutual. Nexus Mutual uh,
1: insurance. But if you if you notice, right, I, I think they can only cover a very small percentage of the protocol. If if hmm. you want to cover like a, a much bigger percentage. It's, it's, uh, it's almost impossible to find coverage anywhere. This is maybe interesting also for kind of the real world insurance companies, right? I spoken to a couple of them and said, why don't you guys look at having some resources, looking at the digital assets part of the, the spectrum, crypto, how, how can you actually better cover this aspect? How can you better ready your products you know, for the world that will eventually evolve? I mean, I'm just thinking, if, if uh, we don't have a product that's going to be born out of a DeFi, then maybe somewhere else, someone can be looking into DeFi crypto and, and see how this can be done on a, on a better basis.
0: I'm going to launch a, an insurance company, but I don't know how it's going to work yet. I'll let you know.
1: Well done, you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have an idea where like there is no, like, for example, it doesn't exist right now, where if you're holding crypto assets how cool would it be if like a company existed where you can give them like one out of two of your keys or something and they provide insurance against those assets for like ever or something?
1: It, 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 there, there, there are definitely different models that can be tested and experimented upon, right? I mean, if, if there are assets, people are willing to pay uh, to cover their assets and there's another side of the people who's willing to pay to receive payment, uh, and in return, if anything happens, they will pay the sum. So so it, I, I think it's, uh, it's how it works in the real world. But how, yeah. how how do we actually bring this to, for example, DeFi? And, and how how can we make that premium palatable to both sides? It's the biggest challenge.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you. Yeah. So, sorry. What were you going to say?
1: No, I, I was saying that, you know, like, uh, I, I think these are all food for thought. And, and it's not... Just me who can conjure up, you know, like a a solution to this. That's why we we should have a lot more people coming to know and address this together. And uh, like what we mentioned right in the beginning, this is where uh, an offsite, a retreat, a gathering of people at any time will be able to discuss topics like these.
0: My podcast is like a retreat, but just as two It is true. I (laughs) I was
1: just about to say that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. I really do. Have a great evening. I hope we get to meet soon, and we will. I'll share my travel schedule and have a great evening. Happy twenty twenty-four, and uh, yeah, happy twenty
1: twenty-four to everyone.
0: I'm incredibly excited to introduce a guest who is a trailblazer in this field, Matt Medved. Matt's journey and achievements into the world of music and technology are nothing short of extraordinary. Matt started his career as a journalist, founding Billboard Dance and bringing electronic dance music into the mainstream media spotlight. As a DJ and producer, he has captivated audiences worldwide, but it's his innovative work at the nexus of music and emerging digital technologies, crypto, Web3, that truly sets him apart. He's a prominent advocate for the use of NFTs and blockchain in the arts, especially in the past couple of years when people, a lot of people kind of gave up on the NFT world, but a few companies trailblaze and continued pulling through and saying, no, there's real utility in these technologies and, and people love them. And you guys know, you see it all over, you know, all over crypto X or Crypto Twitter and Discords and everywhere you are in your telegrams and your conferences that we go to and you meet your friends at meetups or you talk to them about crypto. A lot of the times they're still playing around with with some NFTs or are using it even in their corporate world, in their business world. Somehow you're seeing a lot more of that nowadays. Currently, Matt is a co-founder and CEO, editor in chief of NFT Now, a leading platform in the digital art and NFT space. NFT Now is at the forefront of the digital art revolution, providing curated content and insights into the evolving market of digital art and blockchain tech. Under Matt's leadership, you know, from his whole background of everything that he's done, the platform is really shaping up to be like a really cool platform of the, the future of digital art creation, valuation and exchange. Matt, with your extensive background and your current role, your insights are invaluable. Thank you so much for coming on the show today.
2: Thank you for having me, Charlie. It's great to be proper, definitely familiar with your work, and uh, really excited for the conversation today. Of
0: course. And and to our listeners, if you're enjoying the deep dives, don't forget to leave a review or rate or subscribe. Any podcast platform that you use, it doesn't matter where it is. How's it going, Matt? Happy
2: 2024. I know. It's hard to believe that it's been, what, just slightly over two weeks, uh, Since uh, the new year started, it it feels like two years already. So much has happened, but um, a lot to be excited about.
0: Do you think that the 11 Bitcoin ETFs have changed people's attitudes about what you do specifically, even though it's not like directly related?
2: It's a really good question, Charlie. Yes, to a degree. Because I think to, to the untrained eye, to the outsider, a lot of people tend to lump things into categories, right? And so they think about this kind of amorphous thing called crypto, you know, Bitcoin, whatever this is. NFTs, okay, that's, that's like the crypto version of art or whatever, or collectibles or whatever, you know? And so when, uh, when an institution like the SEC gives a stamp of approval or legitimacy, to, you know, that space, you know, obviously, I think for those of us who have been working in it, it feels quite overdue and and quite laborious. Um, But for a lot of people, they don't really know the whole history. They don't necessarily know that whole process and and the timeline we've taken there. And so when they see, um, you know, the SEC approving uh, spot Bitcoin ETFs, um, I think it does go a significant way towards um, building credibility for the space at large. You know, I, I think that um, as a result of the approval of the of the Bitcoin ETFs, uh, you're you're going to see obviously institutional investors um, able to enter the space in a in a you know much much easier way, right? They're they're going to be able to allocate um, you know a, a percentage of portfolios you know, to this without having to worry about the the, the nuances and complexities of, of self-custody and the like. Yeah, it's true. Really, it's true. And I think that's really significant because, you know, I do think that obviously, like a lot of people have focused on the short-term price action, but I'm more focused on the long-term. I o- I always have been. And, and I do think that, you know, this will in the long-term unlock a lot of institutional liquidity. I think that will contribute to the normalization of digital assets as an investment class it's easy to forget that we live in an echo chamber right and so like we were hyper, we've been hyper focused on this for for quite some time obviously the bitcoin community has been focused on this for you know more than a decade at this point right and so like but for a lot of you know institutional investors and people who are really not involved in in the space at all to them it's like this fringe thing yeah. that all of a sudden got approved that and and I, I saw that poll that like you know, a pretty significant percentage of like of you know institutional, you know, asset managers and the like weren't necessarily even expecting it to get a so even though it seemed like a foregone conclusion on crypto Twitter, you know, it's still a new thing for many of these traditional, you know, institutional players. And I do think that what we're gonna see is even though it doesn't directly, directly impact the NFT space right now, as digital assets become more normalized, as you know they'll still be viewed as high-risk assets. But, um, yeah. But but as they're as they're more normalized, this will continue to build trust. It'll help advance mainstream adoption. As you know, the if this does indeed fuel the price rise of Bitcoin, we all know how these cycles tend to play out, where um, that usually leads to a rise in in you know. Uh, altcoins, which eventually the wealth effect finds its way into NFTs and other, other digital assets. So uh, I, I see it as, even even though it may not have directly impacted the NFT space in the short term, I see it as, as a great win for the, for the digital asset space at large that will benefit.
0: I agree. And now you're going to see like a huge wave, maybe not now, but in the next six months of more crypto stocks. So you're going to see, like, for example, tokens.com is a publicly traded stock. We have the we had a show with the CEO and they just like buy and sell tokens of different projects and buy space in the metaverse. And then they wrap it up into a stock and people can buy that. But it's just just trading in Canada, I think. But you're going to see more of that in the public markets. And maybe that'll affect what you do, because, you know, Masterworks is, for example, tokenized art and has been making a killing in the last year, I think I read they paid they they sold like thirty million dollars worth of art and made their investors a lot of money. But that, like, imagine if there was an NFT relationships with something like that. So you have like traditional. I want to ask you. I want to ask you about traditional art, music rights, collectibles. But before I do, in your head, like, what are the top other categories that other than those that that you think are are going to be like expanding in in this space, like the smart token space, if you will. I wouldn't even call them yeah. NFT.
2: Great question. Great question. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really interesting to me, like one of the ways that like I would say one of the one of the reasons why I know we're still early to all this is that a lot of people still think about NFTs as a category as opposed to a, a new medium that transcends every category, right? And so what's interesting is we saw during the first bull run, obviously, um, we saw categories uh, like digital art and digital collectibles really take off. And I think that one of the reasons why we saw them take off the way we did was, was because, you know, the value proposition of collecting their physical counterparts is pretty, pretty obvious and pretty clear.
0: There's a, there's a
2: parallel, right? Like we can all understand the idea of, um, you know, collecting a piece of art, you know, as a, as a, as an act of patronage, also as a, as, as a form of investment. And then, you know, 10, 20 years down the road, selling it at Sotheby's or Christie's for, for more than what you pay for, right? Like that's that's long been a, a that's long been a, a characteristic of the art markets. Um, digital collectibles, you know, we, if you look at the physical counterparts, like baseball cards, like figurines, action figures, et cetera, um, you know, it, it's a pretty clear parallel there. What I think it gets really interesting is once we move beyond some of those spaces and start to really understand what are, what's the, like the real capability of this technology, right? um because what what i always find really fascinating is its ability to really align incentives and also um to um create this bond uh, you know that that, yeah. that 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 can be quite powerful that's why we're starting to see for example the rise of loyalty programs i think you know like what
0: start loyalty programs really interesting
2: to me as an example of like a a big corporate brand um, making a, a significant inroad.
0: What are they doing?
2: Um, you know, so they have their Starbucks. Um, they have like their, their loyalty reward program with like your passport, where just by continuing to, they're basically bringing it to the consumer in a way that that is not being presented as NFTs. It's like you're almost collecting these different stamps and badges that just happen to exist in this app. Um, and so the whole NFT layer of it is kind of under the surface, um, and it 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 resembles, for example, being able you know, if you had like your your scratch card, you know, like back in the day, it would be like, oh, like I'm gonna get, you know, if I if I go to this how many times, I'm gonna, you know, get a free drink. Well, this is a lot more robust in terms of the rewards and the and that you can that you can earn by um by by being a loyal customer.
0: What's is this so, the is this the Starbucks, is this the Starbucks Korea thing or the Starbucks Odyssey thing?
2: Yeah, the Starbucks Odyssey.
0: Oh, this is crazy! I don't even know. So there, I just read two weeks ago. I'm reading now that if you own this NFT, which has been around for a while, they're giving away like a trip to Costa Rica, all expenses paid for their NFT holders.
2: There you go. And see, like that's that's where I think it's gonna get really interesting is brands using NFTs to incentivize loyalty. Um, and and to being able to build out these programs. So that's one area I think I think is going to be really significant. I think also um, one of the big uh, drivers, I think, of the next cycle too, is going to be the tokenization of real-world assets on chain.
0: This is hopeful. So um, cool. Yeah,
2: I think that whether that can go be everything from, you know, a, a deed to a house or a or a, or a, a title to a car or uh, you know luxury goods, um, you know, obviously physical artwork, physical physical collectibles, things like that. But having a digital token attached to it that can prove authenticity and provenance, I think will be really, really powerful.
0: How would you how would you do real world assets? And I know that's like the better term now, and I'm really excited that we talk about it from like tokenized securities or securitized assets and stuff, but but how would you how would you do it without better regulations? Like how do you connect the real world asset with the token itself without clear like SEC guidelines or are we just kind of like waiting for it, you think?
2: It's a great question. I mean, I I do think that one of the big issues that we found um, is the lack of clarity, you know, with the SEC.
0: uh, That's the hardest part. that
2: has been a a huge issue for just the, the, you know, the the United States market in general. Um, And, but you know, I think that when we look to Europe, when we look to like the UK, do yeah. you think that 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 there have been much more clear guidelines? We can start to see a framework emerging um, where you can, um, you know, start to start to attach tokens to real world assets in a way that um, does not run afoul of securities laws. And so I, I hope that you know the progress we're starting to see made um, will extend to that as well, because I do think that 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 brings in, but that, that really leverages some of the utility that's possible.
0: Yeah, they do it. They do it. They figured it out. They, in Europe, they have like some pretty good, I mean, it started with that, that, that MICA regulations that they passed. And now they're expanding on that, I think, and, and they do it over in Europe, you have different projects, and it's, and it has hit their like institutional markets, even though it's not as big as, you know, as retail. Here in the US, we want everything retail, like the, the crypto exchange, exchange traded funds in different forms have existed for institutional clients and private clients for a long time in the US even like packaged up tokens and in, in into funds that you can invest in again institutional there's already like plumbing for it in the US like I have a crypto VC fund and then you have LPs and you have different so there's all different mechanisms but I think in the US we all want like retail products we want to buy it on Robinhood we want to like click click those buttons and I think that like Bitcoin ETF was that kind of like first usher in but now everyone wants to see the the retail market connect with crypto and I think that's really important too and anyways um, I digress back in back okay. over there I'll go over okay. the place
2: and, and another another interesting use use case which you know we've been big champions of and which we've been working on as well you know is authenticated media you know and being able to oh. use, uh, use nfts use the use the blockchain to really verify that this this article or this piece of content or this image, um, was published by the source. It says it was in the form that it appears. Um, and you know, that's, uh, something that, 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 you know, with the rise of AI misinformation, with the rise of fake news, um, is becoming increasingly important. Um, and that's something we've actually built tech for, you know, we have a, we have a product called sovereignty, which is our sort of proprietary web three CMS. Interesting. Which is which helps us essentially verify, like you know, tokenize pieces of media, tokenize articles, and verify on chain. Make it really easy with like one you know one click for the consumer to be like, hey, like, was this published in the form that it says it was? Like, hey, is did this come from the source that it says it it, it did? Because you know we've seen, for example, um, crypto sites like Blockworks targeted by like attacks where you know scammers have cloned the entire website Yes. and created like a fake a fake story, being like. You know, it was a th- it was a fake Uniswap exploit that led to a phishing link. And you know, like if if there was a you know you can fake you can fake the website, you can fake the brand, you can fake this, but what you can't fake is uh, the official Blockworks wallet. You know, minting this piece of content, um, unless of course that was exploited, which is a, a whole other you know set of set of issues there. Um, but really, being able to use this use the blockchain as this kind of like truth layer um, to understand um, you know. Did, did, did this come from from the source that says it did? And is this the form? you know, has it been tampered? Has it been changed, et cetera?
0: It's like the perfect soundbite for the beginning of the show. Thank you because it it's, it's so true. No, you're hundred percent That's a perfect use case because I find myself all the time and we all do within our family and our friends getting screenshots of articles. It's like, you know, killer whales are raining today. And it's like, oh my god, the The Wall Street Journal published it or something like that. So if you had some sort of like verified list of media that you follow between crypto media or traditional, and when you read an article online, wherever it's shared, because these, you know, content is being shared in so many different forms now. But like you said, if you can verify that, I think it would save, show really good killer application for for Web3 and and it would get impossible to scam anymore.
2: 100% and Charlie, like misinformation, fake news, it costs... Uh, like it costs. Uh, the cost of it are, are I think seventy eight billion dollars globally.
0: Cost the election? Namju. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs>
2: no, but we're. And, but the reality is we're, we're entering an election. Year. Just
0: lost <laughs> half the, the listeners of the show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I mean they, they might be able to agree to you know depending on uh we don't specify which side
0: but you know um but it's, what's interesting is like this is this is clearly an issue. Um, yeah, hundred percent.
2: That the the, the the publishers and the media institutions are grappling with, and you know at, at the end of the day like. AI will never be less sophisticated as right now, right? Like, it's it's only getting stronger. It's only getting smarter. Uh, it got smarter since we started this conversation, right? And so it's like, you know, it's it's only going to become a more powerful tool in the hands of bad actors. And so one of the things that, you know, what was interesting is we've been talking about authenticated media for a long time. Um, and where I finally started to see it click with audiences and, you know, and and the like um, was after those AI-generated Photos of Donald Trump getting arrested went viral. After like, oh yeah, Balenciaga went viral. Um, you know, even though those were kind of humorous versions of it, like you know, they, they did fool a bunch of people. But like, you know, they, I think they were more of, like a harbinger of what's to come because like, it's going to get very very, it's going to get very scary with the deep fakes, with the um, with with the with you know the the misinformation out there because it's going to get more sophisticated and people exist in these echo chambers. And you know, we've even seen it move markets. I mean. There was a um, there was that AI generated like fake uh, photo of, of uh, an ele- of an explosion at the Pentagon that took 500 billion off the S and P 500. Oh yeah, so in like a flash crash before people realized wait that was fake and it was mask the the account that did it was masquerading as Bloomberg it was like Bloomberg terminal or whatever and it had the verified badge and everything on on X you know but that doesn't obviously mean much anymore and so um, again it's like you know we're gonna need a way to be able to authenticate, you know, content, authenticate media and be able to like be able to look to that provenance and and understand like did this come from the source it says it did and was this, you know, did, did it was it published in this forum is this is this authentic and so you know that that's that's an area that we're working on um you know at now media um, with with sovereignty as i mentioned which is that that uh that web3 cms yeah um, it, it's an area that I'm quite passionate about you know as a journalist myself because you know, I, I've, I, I believe that, um, you know, authenticated media is just the next frontier, you know, just in the same way as we've had to go from, um, you know, we went from print to uh, digital online web, to mobile, to the social media era, like media has always had to evolve. Yeah. Technology has has changed the ways that, that we consume and distribute it. And um, this is, it's just a very, it's a very clear use case. Ask.
0: You're also a DJ. I
2: am, I am.
0: Do you do a lot of shows?
2: So, you know, I, I have done a lot of shows in the past. Uh, honestly, running uh, NFT now and now. I'm- yeah,
0: the CMS company like- and everything.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so, but running a media company, especially in Web3, is, uh, is, a, is, is, a, is a 24-7.
0: Paris Hilton does it uh, and she has a baby.
2: True, true. Hey, I have a lot of respect for parents. Runs a media
0: company and uh, wrote a book and a podcast. And she does everything that I want to do, except I, I can only do two of them at the same time.
2: Well, if you need any DJ lessons, I'm happy to, to help you out. Well,
0: speaking of which, so I've been playing music my whole life, instruments. How? What's the first, if I want to like actually just start mixing some like old music that I have that I think would be cool and turning it to like more dance music, what would be the first step someone would do?
2: Yeah, look, you know, I, I mean, I always tell people to play around on, on some of like the, the more straightforward um, pieces of software. Like um, I, I'm a big fan of Tractor by Native Instruments. I think it's just a really... To, like easy. What's tractor? To, like, like mix two tracks together. You don't need, you know, you can download you can download tractor, like the software before you have any hardware, just to like play around on your computer. Um, and then you can get a, a number of different like MIDI devices or things if you want to take it to the next level. Like there's a lot of like stepping stones in DJing before you buy the you know the yeah. CDJs and the mixer. What do you
0: have to learn first? Like what's the like with guitar, you have to know once you get the chord structure and you figure out how to like get comfortable with the fretboard and where everything is, then then your are for the rest of your life. You can expand that. What's the, what's the, the, you know, people don't, people look at DJs. They don't understand like, like what is the, is. Yeah. Yeah.
2: What yeah. goes into it? Right. Um, well, the interesting thing about DJing and, and uh, electronic music in general is that, like, it's one of the few, like, forms of music where the way in which it's created isn't always indicative by the way that it's performed, right? And so, like, for example, you have, like, a lot of DJs, like, to the untrained eye, a lot of DJs look like they're all doing the same thing, right? They're all just up there, you know? Yeah. And all that. But, you know, some DJs are incredible producers, you know, who are multi instrumentalists who, you know, created that track from scratch behind the scenes and, like, you know, played all the instruments and all that. Um, and then others, you know, are, you know, their art form is more about DJing and crate digging and stringing together, like taking you on a journey.
0: Both are very, ah. very genuine
2: art forms. But a lot of people kind of judge one by the other standards and kind of misunderstand the artistry.
0: One's like a music producer. Yeah, I see what you mean.
2: And what's interesting, so like to, to answer your question, what I would always say is, you know, in terms of getting started, the most important thing for being a successful DJ is honestly, it's track selection. It's having good music taste.
0: Okay. So like,
2: you know, like, so it that's, I always tell everyone, if like, if you got good music taste, if you're like, I know the right, the right song for this situation, I can read the room, I know the setting, ooh, I know how that like, this is the right soundtrack that's a great start you can learn the technical side you can learn how to mix you can learn how to do the transitions you know all of that but like it's kind of like having that first kind of just like
0: life like like i like
2: i like I, I know that this is the right song for the right setting um being able to read the room i always say that djing at its best is an exercise in empathy because it's not actually about what you want to play all the time it's about understanding the crowd understanding where they're at you know an after party at three AM on a Saturday is very different yeah. than a an opening set at a festival at two PM. You know, people are just getting warmed up.
0: No, it's a religious experience. Like we saw, I think, said the sky or something at Red Rocks, and it was just like an out of this world experience. And and so yeah, it's music takes you on a journey. And I feel like electronic music really takes it to the next level because it does what just instruments on stage could never really do like it 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 topped off with like the relit the the ecstasy of like woodstock and everything that came after that but i feel like everyone was always but we can have a conversation about electronic dance music and and all that other stuff so i'm gonna check out tractor dj i appreciate it Check,
2: check it out play around and um you know just just mix some things together like mess around have fun with it and then if you're like hey i'm kind of like getting i'm getting a little bit of a groove on it you can also get kind of like a you know pretty pretty cheap midi controller that like you know that 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 ties that uh, plays into it record box is another one uh, um it's similar similar one you know and and that one um if you get on record box you can also like easily export your playlist there to um USB drives if you want to start kind of like like putting them out on and playing in, in CDJs. Yeah. I, I always tell people like not to like a lot of people are like let me get all the like the the best gear. I'm like hold oh, hold on that and just like get your feet wet, play around a little bit. You can start small and then like escalate, you know.
0: I'm looking up I'm looking at your Sovereignty CMS. Do you think you'd ever uh are you going to spin this off and and allow other clients to 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 participate. How, what's the plan for that? Yeah,
2: yeah, that's that's the plan right now. We're actually already speaking to a number of, of leading media companies. Uh, um, because there are NDAs in place, I can't name them right now, but, but like household names, you know. Um, and um, and that's the plan is um, you know, we've been sort of we've been kind of dog ourselves. If you go to nftnow.com slash authenticated, you can see all of the uh all of the articles that we've tokenized ourselves. Um, you know, we've been doing the the sort of this like alpha. Um, we've been doing it on Ethereum, but um, we we do have uh, we're actually going to be announcing a partnership with a with a layer two coming up.
0: Um, oh, awesome!
2: Um, you know, a, a little hint it's uh, you know it's uh, the only publicly traded uh, company and it's a U.S. crypto company, so um, you're probably going to nice. Learn about it. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be uh, really exciting, and I think it's it's also going to be a, a huge step towards being able to scale it. Um, and then we're looking to get, uh, you know, we're, we're talking to a lot of digital publishers right now about, um, you know, participating as as uh, beta clients. And um, yeah, we want we we want this to become the the standard. And um, if you see, if you go to, as I said, nftnow.com/authenticated, you'll see that that verified on chain sovereignty badge on those articles, um, where you can also then check it out on IPFS. You can you can then see it on Etherscan. You can see it on uh, the on OpenSea and um, really building out kind of like a really intuitive uh, interface where you'll be able to, you know, see all of that really easily. Um, but yeah, that's that's the plan. Is It's it's definitely about, um, you know, bringing this to the to the digital publishers.
0: Oh well, yeah, it creates
2: like open them like that. The whole idea was like, let's get like help them enter Web3 in like three clicks or less, like make it super simple, make it plug into their existing, you know, setups their existing newsrooms, you know, what they're using, you know, whatever CMS that they're using and, and having it interface.
0: Like you said earlier, it's it's all about like having that better relationship with the the person on the other side, whether it's like a fan or it's a consumer or employee or whatever it is. I mean, you told me that the Starbucks Odyssey thing blew my mind. I didn't know about it. It's funny because I sent that over to my, I have some of these like older partners who are like, you know, Charlie, call me when like Taylor Swift issues her royalties on NFTs or like some famous person or a famous brand does something huge where every millions of people are immediately affected. That's what they want to see in the NFT world before they really think this, you know, it has a watershed moment. Is that coming? Have we, is that past or is that stupid to look for? What do you think?
2: I think that it's it's still coming. I think that, um, you know, when you think about it, with the adoption of technology, it's like there's always, you know, like the when it really goes mainstream is when we stop talking, we stop talking.
0: About yeah, it's that podcast.
2: Talking about like what it does for you, right? Like, um, I, I know many people like to speak about like the, the iPod moment, right? Like, and, you know, the, whatever, 1,000 songs in your pocket, right? Like, like I remember like as a music fan, like, that blew my mind. Yeah. Right? Like, now, I, I as a music fan, you know, uh, I was super nerdy and did understand MP3s and was, like, you know, excited about the tech and all that. But your average, your average person who, you know, it, it doesn't really care about how MP3s work. They don't really care about how the iPod works. What they do care about is the, is what it, it, how it, it's a game changer.
0: Yeah, everyone, that's a perfect example. I, let's talk about that iPod 1000 song in your pocket moment. Because that moment is now seen in the history books. And you're right, because we both lived through it. It's like that watershed moment. And Apple is the victor, so they get to write those history books. But let's talk about what really happened, because I remember people like me resisted the iPod for a long time because you had to buy Apple Music, and it was super expensive. It was like a dollar a track back then. So to have that thousand songs in your pocket, you had to spend like a $1,000 back in like early 2000s money in the recession. But if you remember, most people had like regular MP3 players already so they were used to mp3 players and they were getting music off like napster limewire and all these other places and you know pre-spotify so that nft you could argue the nft world now and the crypto world now is that like pre ipod thousand song in your pocket moment but the 1000 song in your pocket can still happen now with all the mp3 players like you know what i'm talking about
2: yeah yeah and and, and i think kind of like uh you know if you think about it it's like it. What, what what a lot of people don't, what, what, the moment that hasn't happened yet is for people for the mainstream for retail, you know, to understand why NFTs make their lives better, aside from a speculative asset that they might be able to make money on if they time it right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that that's really important.
0: It's so true. Like,
2: and, you know, like what we've seen is, you know, we've seen, for example, um, like that moment has existed in certain smaller industries.
0: Exactly. I think
2: think the art world gets it now to a degree. Like, it's still coming around to it, but, like, we've seen Christie's and Sotheby's really go go deep into the space because they recognize, like, this is a new market. It created a new market for digital artists that didn't exist before, right? Like, you couldn't, like, there wasn't a way for digital artists to be able to to sell their work and build a collector base with digital scarcity, you know, prior to this, like
0: that makes yeah.
2: more sense. They're they're embracing that. It's changing artists' lives, right? You know,
0: and that is right? where we're going. I think in in the next year and on and onward. That's to kind of like bring it all back. That's where we're going. It's all gonna come together, Matt. That's all the time we have. To thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, man, Charlie, great, great chatting with you. Always, it's, it's a pleasure, and um, yeah, hopefully, it's the first of many conversations.
0: I'll see you next time. I'm in, I'm in the city.